Welcome to Dynamic Thriving Podcast. I am your host, Marianne Pack, spiritual guide into all things life transformational. And today I have a very special guest. Stevie Noah is with me. Hi, Stevie. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I am so good. And I'm so happy that you're here. Stevie and I, oh, sorry. Stevie and I met uh, through a Facebook group and realized that we had a very similar background in religious trauma. And so a little while ago on April 1st, she interviewed me to help me tell my story. So if you want to watch that episode, it is the special edition episode number 22, where I get to tell my story to Stevie. So I thank you for doing that for me. I appreciate you. And now it's my turn to interview Stevie. (laughs) Yes. So again, welcome and thank you for coming on the show. So today's um, today's topic is healing religious trauma, and um, Stevie is a religious trauma uh, therapist and coach. So we're going to talk to her about how she works with clients. And but first, I'm going to ask her who is Stevie and what good do you bring into the world. I love it. Wow. It's a big question to start off with. Who am I? (laughs) Um, I am a product of a whole lot of stories, a lot of traveling, a lot of experiences, um, a lot of healing from trauma and drama. Um, But I am a happy, happy 40, almost 42 year old woman now that lives in Australia. And I get to help people overcome one of the most uh, misunderstood I would say traumas on the planet right now. And um, yes, and I, I, yeah, I'm happy to say that I have completely healed myself, that I've gotten over a lot and that's what I help people do now. So I hope that answers your question all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because this brings me joy. Because when I suffered with religious trauma and then left the church in my mid 40s, and came out on the other side in such peace and now thriving for the last many years and I'm 62, uh, this is is a joy to have the freedom to be released from those grips of religious trauma and all the symptoms that it causes in in our emotions, in our consciousness, in our social activities, in our relationships and in our health. Yes, in our bodies. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about um, a religious trauma therapist and coach. What do you do? What, what is that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. It kind of comes back to, you know, again, that body system that you're talking about right now. Um, what I do is I work with NLP, so Neuro Linguistic Programming mm-hmm. and Hypnotherapy. Because as you know, uh, growing up in an environment where you are put into a room full of people, that they charge you up with music, they induce a trance within you, and then they implement all of their ideas and thoughts and uh, beliefs and processes to control those beliefs and those behaviors that you have. This is all what the church does to put you into Uh, a hypnotic state where they are easily and effortlessly able to just 
um, apply their, their ideas into your mind, especially when you're a child. Yeah, indoctrinate. So, yeah, to indoctrinate. That's right. That's a perfect word. And so it doesn't matter how old you are really when you go, except for the fact that when you are a very young child, you don't have the um, decisive abilities to, you, know, you can't make decisions. You don't have the logic. You don't have the reason. Your brain is still an alpha. And so with NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and with hypnotherapy, um, what I really focus on is utilizing those, the parts of your mind and body that store memory mm -hmm. and therefore create behavior. So if you think about it, our, our brains have around hundred billion neurons and there's trillions and trillions of cells throughout the neural, you know, the, the spine and the neural system throughout the body. You've got uh, 400 million in your gut. You've got about 40,000 in your heart. And all of these neur neurons all work together they have intuition, they store memory, they are part of deciding, they're part of the person that you are. And so, you know, I went through many years of talk therapy, you know, and reading books and trying to figure out what's going on. And it's good to educate yourself. But until you really dive into the body and the memories and how they're stored in the body, it's very difficult to release them and create a new behavior. If you go to say, like, and I'm not putting talk therapy down, it's just that I went through many, many years of it and I know a lot of people that have. And when you do continue to tell your story in a way that is re-engaging the trauma, mm -hmm. you're just piling on more and more of that. You're not getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's great to have someone listen to you, but you're not getting rid of it. So what I do as a re religious trauma therapist and coach with hypnotherapy and NLP is I get in there with the person. We find out how they stored utilizing different techniques. We find out how and where they've stored these memories. Mm -hmm. um, we dismantle those memories and those beliefs and those behaviors. And then we reinstall new ones. And then I teach them processes to go ahead and really um, build on those new beliefs and behaviors and ideals that they want to have. Mm -hmm. And so they really start to carve out new neural pathways so that they can become a completely new person. So that's what I do in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. I, I love NLP. I've never done hypnotherapy, but I'm sure it is very yeah. valuable, but I do know the value of NLP um, in the healing process and and uh, um, removing and like you said installing. So do you? Mm -hmm. I, I just had thought of a question. Do you actually like help them uh, develop what beliefs they want to actually install? Because I mean, you just don't put in beliefs then that you want because then you're doing the same thing. And I'm just the church. Yeah, just, exactly. That <laughs> we just were trying to get out of. So do you help them to develop their own beliefs that they know will be for their highest good? Absolutely. Well, one of the parts of this process is really diving into what they don't want. It's, it can be uncomfortable to uncover what they don't want. Now, we don't have to stay uh, with the processes I use. We don't have to stay in what they don't want for very long, but we do need to find out what it is that they don't want and what they want to replace it with. And yes, it has to be their choice. Absolutely has to be. I wouldn't be uh, a good therapist or a healer or, you know, coach without giving them what they want to have. Um, 
I would be just like the church. So yeah, I absolutely find out we get that clarity first before we always start the processes of it. So I love yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So, and sometimes they don't know what it is that they want because they don't know exactly. what's in place of it. That's right. So I help them develop that new story, that new, de- that new belief that's going to serve them. And of course we go from there. So it has to be a high purpose. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what are some of the problems that you actually help your clients solve? Like, you know, what is the transformation that they receive when they work with you? It's a great question. It's a loaded question. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. It's a loaded (laughs) question. You know, everyone comes with religious trauma affects everyone in a different way. Some people are highly affected in the relationship area. Some people are highly affected in the career area. Some are affected in body. Some have all of that combined in some way, shape or form. Um, so starting off with a client, we first want to find out what the real, the deepest issue is, the most, um, the one that shows up in their life the most and, and is creating the biggest problems. Because typically if you can get in there and get at that ver- the biggest problem first, it's sort of like pulling the card out of the, you know, the deck of cards and, and the whole thing comes tumbling down or hitting that right domino and the rest of it comes crashing down. And I don't mean crashing in a bad way. I mean, it starts to absolutely change the person themselves once they get rid of that really um, self debilitating belief and behavior. And then the rest goes boom, 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 boom after that. And it just becomes giving you the tools is really important to go on through your life um, and keep, cause you're going to keep developing. The person never stops developing. So mm-hmm. once they go through work with me and we get rid of those first cards or dominoes, however you want to say it. Um, and they, my job is not to keep a climb. I, my job is to help them heal and move on with their lives. So it's very important that I give them the tools so that as they continue to grow and develop and make new choices and beliefs, they've got the tools to do that rapidly and, um, and get it into their body and mind deeply. I love that. Thank you. And this is so, you know, like I said, this is so tender to me because y'all know, I mean, I got to tell my story about my religious trauma and just, you know, recently knowing that it was time to come out for that. And I know these are some triggering conversations. So I hope that you're being careful with, as you're listening, that, that some of the things that we say might trigger some, some emotional trauma for you. Um, So what makes your approach so unique? I mean, what is so different than what another therapist or coach might do for religious trauma healing? It's a good question as well. Um, I think, I think what makes mine unique is I am using the NLP and the hypnotherapy techniques. And I think a lot of people steer away from that. I know that when I, first off, when I knew that there was a problem, um, I went into a therapist for the problem of depression, anxiety, um, you know, those kinds of things. And unfortunately, a lot of therapists don't understand religious trauma. So they only worked on that problem and it was particularly talk therapy. And so I just, it never really healed it. Um, 
I would say that mine is different because a, I've had religious trauma and I've had all of the, you know, the sexual issues, the, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the disassociation, all of, you know, the insomnia, um, all of that stuff. So I really understand it, but I also truly, truly believe that it can heal and that you can, and that the person can heal it. So I always go into my sessions with my client, knowing that we're going to get healing knowing that they're capable of healing themselves, knowing that it's my job to help navigate their neurological system Mm -hmm. in order for them to find out where it's at. And I guess that's what makes me different. And then giving them the ability to use that system and the tools of that system to reestablish again, a new belief or new behavior or new thought process. So So you're at So you're actually helping them integrate what they're taking from you, the tools that you're teaching them so that they can go forth in life and thrive. Yes. Yes. They're not again dependent on someone else for their answers. Precisely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's so necessary because they've been either dependent on their parents, depending on the, you know, they, they, a lot of people church hop or cult hop is what I call it because they're looking for somebody to help them or something to help them. And they don't know how to be fully and truly independent and know within themselves that they can create the life they want on their terms. Um, and, and not have to reach out for something or pray to something or hope or wish. Right. So I give them the tools to yeah do that individually. Yeah. yeah. Explain just a few of the symptoms of religious trauma because there's a lot of them. Well, there's a lot. Well, um, as I said, so um, dependency is one of them. So a dependency, OCD is another one. So if you think about it, you're always, you know, asking you know, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, because you're constantly messing up. You're a human being. And according to the rules of religion, you're going to mess up pretty much almost every day. So it creates an OCD type of behavior. Um, There is a lack of development, uh, decision-making development, because you're not allowed to make your own decisions. You're told like the type of people you should hang out, the type of thoughts you should have, the type of feelings you should have, that sort of thing. Uh, A lot of women develop, and men too, men develop um, issues with their bodies, but women especially because of the misogyny that goes on within religion Um, and their, you know, that whole purity movement that we all went, well, I went through in the 90s. I was very much part of that Joshua Harris movement. I had to marry Jesus and all that sort of stuff. So um, the shame, the... um, yeah, constant beating yourself up, the depression, the anxiety that comes from that. Goodness gracious, there's so much. There's, you know, the insomnia, as I said. There's uh, gut issues that will develop because of the stress that you're under. In fact, a lot of people don't realize this. Oh, sorry. Did you want to say something? Oh, I'm just agreeing. I'm raising my oh, hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't realize this, but the average person that, um, and this is just from, you know, working with people that have been stressed out in the, from this space for a long time and learning about stress and anxiety, the average person with religious trauma syndrome spends three, around three hours a day. And that can be more as well. It can be less, but it can definitely be more, but around three hours a day in and out of hypervigilance. 
So if you add it all up throughout a day, you're in hypervigilance, which is a high stress state because it's either in asking for forgiveness or checking on your thoughts or self, you know, self berating type of um, thought process that they're having. And so when you spend that much time a day consistently in and out of hypervigilance, you're creating a life of more stress. You're attracting more stress. You're attracting bad relationships. You're attracting things that you don't want in your life. And so when you add it all up, I think that's around, what was it? A thousand and ninety four hours a year. And then you start adding that up over the years. You're, you're basically cutting off. You're just basically spending so many years of your life in a hypervigilant state that you're not actually living, you're surviving. Wow. So, yeah. And folks pay attention to this because you may not have been raised in a religious setting. So you don't think you have religious trauma, but the more I am visiting with people who have never really been raised in a church but they were raised in America where the foundation is a, a Christian oriented, traditional, um, typically conservative uh, mindset. It was the church who influenced the laws and what we could and couldn't do. And um, so if you were raised here, you understand, even in Western culture, you under, you may have some of these symptoms and you don't know where they came from, but they came from just living in our society, in our culture, because it is so permeated into our culture. And, you know, this is important for you to understand that if you're recognizing some of these symptoms and you're thinking, wait, but I wasn't raised in church. Welcome to religious trauma. <laughs> yes. That is that is yeah. permeating society and our culture. It's just the way it is. So listen carefully because yeah. you can still be helped and heal from those. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You simply have to peel those layers off. Or as as Stevie said, pull the card out of the deck yeah. and, and let those decks that, that deck of cards fall. You'd be amazed at how many people just on that note have um, become atheists or are atheists or worry, and they just went to a church or two with their friends growing up. And, you know, they find out as adults that they still have a fear of hell. And they're like, where did this come from? How do I, as an atheist who doesn't believe in anything mm -hmm. um, in that way, you know, and I know there's variations of atheists as well they still have religious trauma as well, as you're saying, because they're like, you know, God, that church just somehow they got me in. And every so often that thought of rotting in hell for something that I did that was nothing, you know, mm -hmm. um, it still comes up and I still go into a stress mode right. and it ruins my day all because I just visited one or two with right. a friend one day when I was a kid, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's it definitely is very pervasive. So give us a few more. I mean, you know, I, I love that you mentioned, you know, insomnia and, and oh. nightmares and nightmares. Um, Goodness gracious. That was my telltale issues, um, yep. health issues. You know, yeah. I understand the stress thing. I created a whole lot of sickness in my body 
over those years that I was in the church. And now of course, don't have any of that as I have healed through it. So um, I'm just, talk to us just a little bit more about some of those symptoms because I want people to recognize there's a lot are not there dealing with something like this. And it may just be stemming from religious trauma. Sure. Okay. Well, um, yes. So nightmares is definitely one of them, uh, which causes anxiety, insomnia. There's social, social anxiety is a huge one. Um, because I mean, how many of us were taught that we couldn't talk to somebody that was part of a different denomination or not part of a, or even, you know, maybe they were Muslim, maybe they were uh, Jew, maybe they were whatever, it doesn't even matter. Um, so there's social anxiety, also making sure that you, you know, you, because we're so concerned about, especially as women uh, getting into puberty and what we dress like and look like and act like and talk about. So that's a huge thing. Um, whew, what else? Money issues. Money issues is a huge one as well. Um, obviously, if you are growing up um, homosexual, bisexual, any of the, you know, LGBTQ, IQ, I think I hit those all, <laughs> all of them anyways. Um, if you're any on the spectrum of any of that, there's a ridiculous amount of guilt and shame. Thinking that you're bad and that you're sick because of your natural belief or feelings and, and desires that your body... You know, that really got blown out of the water when I was in biology class. I had to go to school. I finally left homeschool and went to biology class and found out that it takes a second for their hormones in your, as you're developing as a baby to change. And you are who you are when you're born. Whose fault is that? Well, that would be God's fault, wouldn't it? If you believe in that stuff, Uh, it wouldn't be the human's fault. Anyways. So what else? Goodness, there's just so many. Again, uh, I said suicidal thoughts. That's, that comes up yes. a lot. Yes. Um, lack of direction, you yeah. know, for, because you don't know or believe that you have any talents or any uh, abilities because everything's given to you by God. You can't claim your own amazing abilities if you're good at certain things or not good at certain things. Um, the inability to choose relationships or have sexual relationships. Um, You know, a lot of women and men think that they get married and they're both virgins, you know, because they did what they were supposed to do. And they think that the night of their marital sex is going to be, you know, mind blowing, amazing, phenomenal. The women don't understand that that's going, it's actually going to hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, the men don't realize they don't know anything about a woman's body. Um, so they end up with in relationships, marriages that are uncomfortable and failing because there's no connection and there's constant shame still around sex. And then there's guilt that you failed yeah. that you're failing yes. and you can't leave because you're yes. a Christian. That's right. And so that cycle just continues and you just have to stay put and, and, yeah. you know, be a good submissive wife and, and yeah. just live this sacrifice and just live this, this existence that you were given that you never chose when there's so much inside of you that you are mm-hmm. capable of discovering and so much excitement in life. It doesn't have to be, you know, all drugs and crazy and alcohol, but there's so much exciting things out there to discover. And humans were, we're designed to be curious, to ask better questions. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I can say something there, 
one of the biggest things anyone can do that's coming out of this to start off with is just start asking questions about everything, not just your beliefs, but your behaviors, what you're reading. Mm -hmm. When people tell you that they, you know, they think a certain way, ask better questions all day, every day around everything and start annihilating the beliefs that you have, because that's the fastest way to start moving out of it. Right. Yeah. So I've always said our mess is our message. So what was your mess? This is, <laughs> this is where I need you to explain to us why you do what you do because of what you, because of your experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but look, I grew up on a cattle ranch out in the middle of nowhere, um, homeschooled. My parents are good people and they definitely thought they were doing the right thing. They're hard workers. We were hardworking kids. We didn't have a lot of exposure to the outside world. And um, because of that, I developed a lot of, you know, psychological issues, a lot of depression, a lot of, you know, social anxiety, all that sort of stuff. Um, I did press the boundaries a lot because we had, for me, my mess it was quite obvious at the beginning for me that there was problems because I had a set of grandparents that were Baptist Christian. I had another set that were Catholics and my parents were Pentecostal all praying for each other's souls as if they were in the right religion and the other ones weren't. So that very, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, but I love all of them. How can God not love all of them? Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the misogyny, which was quite prevalent, which I caught on to as a very little girl too. Like, why was I bad? Because I was a female. Um, and then I also had, uh, things like I'd go up to the altar and I'd have get anointed by oil and, and, you know, I'd be confessing sins or whatever. And the preacher would push on me to try to get me to fall down and, and give a show for the people in the church. And I thought all of these things, plus so many more things, you know, my mom had her friends come over and punish me, um, till I was crying so much that my eyes were swollen And then of course I had 15, this developed very young around 15, I would say 14, 15 years old. I began having horrific nightmares, the kind of lucid dreams where I'm literally awake or I feel very much awake. I have demons crawling and choking me all over. I have, um, at some, in some instances, I felt them raping me and I didn't know anything about what was going on. I just, I knew it was wrong. I knew all this stuff was wrong and I thought I was being punished by God. And so I developed horrible insomnia and didn't tell my family about it, of course, because I was afraid they'd do an exorcism. Yes. So that's how it all began for me. Now I didn't, I just thought I was a bad person. Mm -hmm. I went off to college, which wasn't something that we did in my family. I was the first one to go to college um, and, and found drugs and alcohol stamped out those dreams. So I became a party animal. I became a, you know, I'd never been popular before. I was, it also helped me with social anxiety. So I got quite into that. I then developed um, a really terrible relationship. Well, a tumultuous relationship with a narcissist. Of course you attract what you are. Right. Um, So a lot of things going on behind closed doors, as far as um, him belittling me even worse and abuse and all that sort of thing. He then dies. He dies of cancer. Mm. I'm, I'm, in hysterics right after five years with this person I don't even know who I am he had completely gaslighted me out of who I was plus I never figured it out because I was raised in a a Christian home 
You just walked right into it. I just walked right into it. Um, so I developed really bad, all the dream nightmares came back. I developed a lot of really bad um, habits. And then I was very suicidal. And during this time of, there was a particular night that I was going to do it and finish it off, finish myself off. Mm -hmm. And I decided that night, just at the last minute, I punched a mirror and I was going to take a shard of glass and I was going to cut my wrist. And again, I, I, you know, I know this is triggering for some people, but this is the truth. And at that time I said, look, I can either figure out what the hell is going on in this world and what I'm supposed to be, or I can go this route and not know what's in the, in the great beyond. Right. So at that point I decided to start traveling and I went to India and I went to Thailand and I went many, many other places since then, um, South America, all over, all over the States. Um, you know, I've been to Bali. There's all kinds of places that I went, but traveling helped me to obviously get away from, and this is a huge thing for people with religious trauma. You need to get out of your environment. However you do it is up to you. If you can't travel, then you need to go to other, you know, in, get into other groups of people that are having fun, going for hikes, talking about things, people that are not super Christian um, or whatever your belief system is, because you need to hear other people's beliefs and opinions. And that's what traveling did for me. Plus I read a million books and everything began to, un, you know, just basically unravel for me. I still had anxiety. I still couldn't sleep at night. It took 15 years for that to go away because I didn't know what it was. I thought, you know, I got, I became very metaphysical and, you know, and I thought, oh, I'm still getting all these demons and I'm still, cause I, you know, believed in, started believing in fairies and all kinds of different stuff, mm -hmm. um, which there's nothing wrong with that. As long as it serves your higher purpose. Yes. Um, but it wasn't until quite a few years later, um, you know, that I was able to start meditating and finding self-love. Yes. And I went to a sweat lodge and had a very profound experience, an Indian sweat lodge there. I did ayahuasca in South America, had a profound experience there. And then I got into talk therapy and learned more and more and more. And then finally found NLP and hypnotherapy and used that to really clean it all up. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Yes. And that's, you know, that's why we're usually called to what we do is because that's it. Our mess is our message. What we've gone through and transformed through. And as you can mm -hmm. see, Stevie is a beautiful, happy young woman that is thriving. She's yeah, yeah. no longer living that, correct? Absolutely. I have a phenomenal, phenomenal relationship with my husband, 13 years uh, love living in Australia. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm yes. I, I just, and I can find, I now know the moment because every life happens, you know, when you have a bad day, I know exactly what to do to turn it around. Now yes. it lasts, you know, with things that used to take me off guard for months at a time, yes. you know, you know, exactly what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yeah. I can literally turn around within 30 minutes maximum. You know, it's just, yeah, my life doesn't even mimic what it used to. I no longer, as we, you and I chatted about the crying and how many years in that, you know, hypervigilance that we cried consistent. It was like almost every day, I swear. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, 
now I don't even I don't remember the last time I cried. It would have been something that happened that I cried because I was happy. <laughs> so right, right. You know, well, yeah. Very the first thing that was one of the first things I noticed, you know, when I left the church. Yeah. Two weeks after I kind of took an assessment of where I was yeah. and I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't cried once. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Because before yep. it was tears and agony and shame and guilt and well, you go every single week, if not twice a week or whatever, to right. go confess your, to go, you know, be with other people who are sinners. I mean, you're walking into a room that considers themselves as a whole sinners that need to be forgiven. And you're there to cry and confess. And yes, uh, sure. There's like five minutes, 10 minutes of uplifting moments. And that's how they get you into trance with this up and down and up and down. But you know, when you're living that way weekly, daily, yes. you're going to, you're going to be in tears yeah. a lot. Yeah. And it's exhausting and it it's, takes a toll on your health. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what I know. Um, so I love this. I love this conversation. I could talk to you forever because I know what you do is so healing and helpful for people who have suffered just right along with you. They're saying, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. So how can people connect with you? Because I want to make sure that they know how to seek out help. Thank you. Well, look, um, you know, at this moment, it's quite simple. If anyone's got Facebook, you go to uh, my handle is I am Stevie Noah. So that's as simple as it gets Facebook forward slash I am Stevie Noah. Um, and I have a group that I've started recently and it's, um, Facebook forward slash groups and it's heal religious trauma. So you can probably just look it up. Just, you know, religious religious trauma. trauma. And we'll have the link in the show notes. So folks, all these, these links will be in the show notes, but go ahead and tell us where else they can find you. Yeah. So right now you can do that. You can go to uh, YouTube and type in Stevie Noah and you can probably type in Stevie Noah religious trauma because that I'll have a lot of keywords there as well. Mm-hmm. And you can find me there. Uh, but to get a hold of me, uh, Facebook Messenger is the best. And so far that's working just fine for me. I don't have a website at the moment, but I am planning to have one once mm-hmm. I've written my book and, um, and my course is up and then we'll have that going on. But for right now, it's it's all happening on Facebook. <laughs> I love this, Stevie. I appreciate you because I know, you know, we can see the brilliance I, on the on the video portion of this episode. I get to see your brilliance and your glow and your joy that you are in now. And I know that's what you bring for your clients. And so this is very, very precious to me because it's so near and dear to my heart. Uh, with my life experiences. So I, um, I, um, I, I just wanted to thank you again for coming and for being on this podcast with us. And we will have to have you back because I definitely want you to talk even more about the, the, the effects that it can have on our body, but how we heal them. Let's, let's next time just really focus in on the healing of it and give people hope because when you're in this condition, you don't feel like there's any hope. You feel like I'm this way for the rest of my life and why bother? So there isn't, there is hope. And, um, I, I would really like you to get a hold of Stevie for that. So I appreciate you, Stevie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Marianne. 
So I want to thank everybody again for listening to this episode. And I know this was a really tough topic for a lot of people, but know that there is hope. Know that there is healing. You have two people sitting here that are thriving after having left and healed from religious trauma, left the church and healed from religious trauma. And again, it's still a process. Like Stevie said, this is something we're going to continue to peel layers off of because those old beliefs are so ingrained in us. It almost feels like it's who we are, but it's not. Because our soul, our beautiful inner being is pure light and love and goodness and joy and peace and appreciation and abundance and all those beautiful things that we truly are. So let's peel off those old coats and those old layers of, of trash that people have piled on top of us and let's get to the brilliant you. So again, thanks for listening. I appreciate you and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. This is uh, really important to help my work go around the world with more joy. And um, if you would like a personal reading with my spirit guides, the many, you can visit my website, maryannpack.com. And there is an ask the many offer there. And you can also at that time, look at our services and um, make a love donation if you would. So uh, if you would like to. So uh, again, I want to just thank you in closing. Do you have any words, parting words of hope and love for our audience? Yes, I, I just, on exactly what you just said, um, you can heal. There is, it's totally possible. I hear a lot in this industry or in this particular group of people that have been infected by religious trauma that you're going to have it forever. I want you to know, as Marianne said already, it is not forever. There's two people sitting here right now who have healed themselves. Um, it doesn't need to take, you know, 15, 20 years like it took for us uh, anymore. It can be done literally within weeks, months, and then allow yourself to unfold as you go from there. So um, healing is possible. Knowing yourself, knowing your body and healing your body from within and having the joy and the abundance and the gratitude and living every day as if it is, you know, living it in your fullest is possible and being happy again is possible. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that was one of the first things that I realized is like, I can go to bed happy and I can be <laughs> happy. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, exactly. It Sleep is. through the night. Yeah. I think yeah. that was one of some of the biggest eye openers for me and the peace that flooded my soul. Yes. that I never had consistently in the church. It was more of a conditional piece because yep. it's like when I was doing good and being a good girl and following all the rules, then I would have peace. Yeah. But as soon as I messed up or felt like I sinned or messed up, then I'd yeah. be down in the doldrums and in the, the guilt and shame. And that does a number on your mind and body. And uh, that starts the OCD behavior. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So not I, necessary. No, it's not necessary. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you know, Stevie and I talked about even on this show and even on my show, my special edition show where she interviewed me. Um, you don't have to take as long as we did. No. Because we didn't have 
people to direct us. We didn't no. have guides. We didn't have NLP practitioners and hypnotherapists and people who, who are serving you the goodness formula from their spirit guides, the many like I am. Yeah. So you have this beautiful opportunity to move forward so much more quickly into thriving and into joy and into love. And without judgment now. It's, it's so much different now because as you said, you know, we didn't have it. It was, there was so much judgment around us leaving. And I know that there still is in a lot of cases, but it's nothing like it used to be because now you can reach out for help. Now there are, we are aware of what it does to, to the mental space, to the human being in the mental space that they have. So um, you can reach out, get help, get through it and just start thriving fast, fast, fast. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you again. And remember everyone, you are joy looking for a way to express.